and praise for our worship team this morning. Let me uh, try to adjust this here. I'm going to put this down here. We good? Okay. I hope we're good here. Uh, did you see the news out of Hawaii this week? Uh, there, there was a report that the, uh, the officials are warning the residents on the big island that the world's largest volcano, which is uh, Mauna Loa, is showing signals that it's about to erupt. And uh, so they're giving warning to all the residents there to, to heed the warning. And, and uh, there's been a lot of people, residents, that have built their homes right on the slopes of Mauna Loa, and, uh, and their homes could be threatened if it, if it erupts. The volcano last erupted in 1984, and uh, because of just some of the seismic activity, they fear that it's going to erupt again. So one official said, and I, put it, and I put it in quotes here, he said, Beware that if you live on the slopes of the Mauna Loa, there is potential for some kind of lava disaster. And I got a kick out of that. Some sort of lava disaster. <laughs> when this a volcano exploded, uh, or erupted, I should say, uh, in 1950, it, uh, the article I read here said it spewed out 1,307 cubic yards of lava per second. Now that's some kind of lava disaster, right? <laughs> that's, a, that's a major lava disaster. Uh, and uh, lava, uh, volcanoes can uh, lie dormant for years, sometimes even decades. And, uh, but that doesn't mean that it is dead. There's magma, there's molten lava underneath the Earth's surface, and then when there's earthquakes or, or something that shifts the Earth's tectonic plates, uh, the, the lava can be forced up to the surface, and it can erupt with great explosion, and it changes the whole landscape all around the area. Today's sermon is on... Uh, God's wrath. And God's wrath, I think, is like a lot, is like a volcano. Because uh, we tend to ignore God's wrath. We don't talk about it very much. And maybe God's wrath uh, feels like it's, it's dormant. But that does not mean that it is dead. In fact, God's wrath, and I want to show this from the scriptures this morning, is quite real, and it's something that we should think about and be mindful of. We sometimes think of God's wrath just as an Old Testament idea, and that's a misconception that we need to put to rest. A definition of God's wrath is God's wrath is his righteous anger towards sin. That's what God's wrath is, his righteous anger towards sin. So as long as there is sin in the world, God's wrath is a real thing. If, if there is sin in our lives, then God's wrath is a subject that we need to consider today. It's not just an Old Testament idea. In fact, here's a New Testament verse. Romans 1.18 says, The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against the ungodliness and wickedness of people who suppress the truth by their wickedness. 
God's wrath is, reveal, uh, is real, and one day it will erupt. On the day when Jesus comes back, there is a final judgment in which God's wrath will be poured upon people for all eternity to those who are cast into hell. And God's wrath, we, look for, uh, we, we think about that future day, but we also recognize that today, in the, in the here and now, God's wrath has great impl- implications for how we live and for how we think about God. And I want to draw that out this morning. We're going we're to see how God's wrath greatly affects how we live and how we think about God. We must think about this rightly. If we, if we ignore God's wrath or put it off to the side, then that affects how we live and how we think about God. If we, uh, if we make God's wrath the highest uh, thought in our mind about God, that affects how we live and how we think about God. So this is a big and complex subject, and we, we want to flesh out the complexities this morning. Let's ask God to be our teacher as we turn to his word now. Father God, we, we come before you, and first of all, we just bow our knee before you because, God, you are a God of wrath, that you have righteous anger towards sin. And God, we, wa- we want to come before you and recognize that while you are very, very loving, uh, you're not one to be trifled with, that you are, that you are real and that you are holy, And to ignore you and to ignore your wrath is a dangerous thing. And yet, God, we we come before you and and we're taught in in the scriptures to come before you with boldness, come before the throne of grace with with confidence, as Hebrews said. Uh, And so we come before you really just in a full knowledge of who you are, that you are a God of wrath, that you are a holy God, that you are a God of mercy. And we ask now that you teach us and you would open up your scriptures to us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So in this sermon series, Find Your Footing, we're going through Isaiah 40 through 52. This is the section of scripture that we are looking at. And today we land in Isaiah 48. Uh, In Isaiah 48, we see God's wrath is stirred up against the Israelites because they disregard God. Because they disregard God. Isaiah 48, verse 1 says, Listen to this, you descendants of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel, who come from the line of Judah, you who take oaths in the name of the Lord and invoke the God of Israel, but not in truth or righteousness. You call yourselves citizens of the holy city and claim to rely on the God of Israel. The Lord Almighty is his name. Let me just stop there. We're going to keep going throughout the, through the chapter. But let me uh, look at these first two verses and recognize that in these two, first two verses, there's a little bit of sarcasm here. God says to the people, you claim to be followers of me, you call yourselves uh, 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 Israelites. You call yourselves citizens of heaven. You claim to come from the line of Judah. You claim to follow me, but you don't really follow me. Not in truth or in righteousness, he says here. You invoke the name of God, but not because you want to serve uh, him, 
but you invoke the name of God because you want to get from God. And I think this resonates with so many of in our culture today. Many call themselves Christians. They say they follow Christ, but they don't really follow Christ. Not in truth or in righteousness. They invoke the name of God because they want God's blessings. They want, uh, they, they want what God has to offer them, but they don't want to offer worship or service to the Lord. And you can understand, as God says these words, why his wrath is being stirred up. Surely that's frustrating to the Lord that they would call upon him, but they do not want to uh, live for him. He goes on in verse 4 to say, I knew how stubborn you were. Your neck muscles were iron. Your forehead was bronze. He says you're stubborn in your sin. It's like you got iron in your neck. You you refuse to turn away from your sin. You're you're stubborn. Your your forehead is like bronze. You're you're hard-headed. And how oftentimes are we stubborn in our own sin? We let unforgiveness and resentment or bitterness take up root in, in our hearts, things that do not please the Lord for years. We commit the same sins of lust or anger or impurity or, or, uh, or, or hatred or whatever it is over and over and over and over again. And the wrath of God is stirred up like a volcano towards our stubborn sin. Remember, his wrath is his righteous anger against sin. Verse 5 says, The Israelites say, My images brought them about. My wooden image and my metal God ordained them. God says, I sent all these blessings into your life. But you don't credit me. You credit your idols. The wooden image, the metal God, they gave me these good things. And again, I see so many parallels in our lives today. God sends his good uh, blessings upon us, and we take credit for those things ourselves. Or we give credit to someone else or to, or to someone else. And I can understand why the, the wrath of God is stirred up. Because surely that's frustrating as he sends his blessings, but yet we do not acknowledge the giver of the good gifts. And all of this stirring up of the wrath comes to a climax in verse 8. You have neither heard nor understood. From of old your ears have not been opened. Well, do... Well do I know how treacherous you are. You were a rebel from birth. A rebel from birth, born to be wild. We're like motorcycle riders that have on the back of their leather jackets, born to ride. We're born to sin. We're born uh, in our, with our sinful nature. Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Every one of us has rebelled against God. And as we go through these verses, we can see why the wrath of God towards sinners is warranted. His wrath is stirred up by our stubborn hearts, by our stubborn sin, by our refusal to acknowledge him, by our, uh, by our claiming to be followers of him, but not really following him, by rebelling against him from birth. The wrath of God is stirred up like a volcano towards sin. And so what is God going to do about his wrath? If he is a God of wrath, will he 
like a volcano lie dormant? Or will he erupt? Well, two things we see as we go on in this passage in Isaiah 48 that God can do with his wrath. One is he can be patient. That's the next verses. Verses 9 through 11 describe God's patience. For my own namesake, I delay my wrath. I delay my wrath. For the sake of my praise, I hold it back from you so as not to destroy you completely. He says, I would be justified in destroying you completely right now. In fact, God would be justified in striking all of us down dead with a bolt of lightning right now. But he says, see, I have refined you, no, not, though not as silver, I have tested you in the furnace of affliction. For my own sake, for my own sake, I do this. How can I let myself be defamed? I will not yield my glory to another. God's uh, wrath has to do directly with his glory. And I want to flesh that out. But we, can, but we recognize that God's delayed wrath, wrath is his patience. It's like Peter says, The Lord is not slow in keeping his promise, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. The reason God delays his wrath, the reason that he is patient with us, is because he wants us to repent so that his wrath can be turned away from us. The, the, the wrath, the repentance is what causes us, is what causes God's wrath towards us to be shifted and be put upon his son Jesus on the cross. Now, repentance is a very key topic for us today. Repentance, what, what it means to repent is that we turn our lives around. The, the Greek word metanoia, which we translate repent, literally means to change your mind. So, in, so it, we are headed in one direction. We're headed towards sin. And it's like we do a U-turn, a 180. We turn away from our sin, and repentance means that we now turn to and we face God and we walk towards him. So, it's, so repentance is more than just saying I'm sorry and headed in the, in the same direction. Repentance is saying I'm sorry and then changing our lives and begin to live for God. It's the opposite of what we saw in the first eight verses here where we claim to follow God, we invoke the name of God, and yet we do not uh, really live for him in truth and righteousness. Repentance is key for us when we think about the wrath of God. In fact, uh, Isaiah makes it clear, if we understand the Hebrew language, he makes it clear that he's trying to draw attention to this. In the Hebrew language, the way they emphasized something was they repeated it. Today, if you were write, writing something down, what you would do is you would highlight it, put it in bold, put it in italics, underline it. We'd, we'd really try to draw attention to it in that way. In that time, they, just, they simply repeated it and say, this is really, really important. Three times in, this, in these three verses is the same phrase repeated, or, or at least it says it in similar ways. In verse 9, it says, for my, own, for my name's sake, and then twice back to back in verse 11, it says, for my own sake, for my own sake. What, is, uh, what the author here is saying, what, he, Isaiah, what God is saying through the prophet Isaiah is, this is really, really important. God's delayed wrath is crucial for us to understand who he is. 
It's emphasized again in the verse uh, 11 when it says, I will not yield my glory to another. We talked about God's glory a few weeks ago. I gave a real simple definition of God's glory. God's glory is the sum total of who he is. All of, all of what we know about God added together, that's his glory. So that includes his holiness, his righteousness, his justice, his mercy, his grace, his love. All that together is God's glory. And uh, it's really impossible for us to understand God and his glory and who he is, the sum total of all who, who he is, if we exclude the idea of his wrath. And so let me explain this with an illustration. Okay, Pastor Darren last week talked about how he could make a mean grilled cheese sandwich, right? I uh, talked about watching YouTube videos to learn how to make uh, grilled cheese. I'm a little bit like Pastor Darren in that I'm not a very good cook. Uh, I admit I've never watched a YouTube video on how to make a grilled cheese sandwich. And I also haven't made, watched a YouTube video on how to make waffles, but I can make a mean waffle. Uh, and I have Googled waffle uh, recipes, and, uh, and so I have a, a good waffle recipe, and it includes all your main ingredients like eggs and butter and milk and flour and you got to have sugar and vanilla and, and all these things, right? And, uh, and you, you mix all the ingredients together, and you get a waffle batter, and you pour it in a hot waffle iron. And I've learned the hard way that if you put too much batter in the waffle iron, it's going to come out the sides and make a real mess, right? Dawson's here on the front row laughing because he's seen this happen. Uh, you get too much waffle batter because the, the waffle batter uh, expands when it heats up. Well, when we talk about God's wrath, it's really not a characteristic of his. It is, it is the result of several of his attributes mixed together. And so what we have here is we have God's holiness and God's righteousness and God's justice. And that gets mixed together and it gets put into contact with the heat of sin and it causes it to expand. And that's God's wrath. You see, if we have a weak concept of God's holiness and righteousness and, and justice, then wrath makes no sense. But if we really understand how holy and pure God is, then his wrath against sin makes complete sense. We must understand that God cannot put up with sin because he is so holy. God hates sin. But as we say, God hates sin, but he loves the sinner. You see, if we are to understand God's, if we rightly understand God's wrath, then it also puts his mercy into a different context. In fact, if we don't understand God's wrath, we can't understand how merciful he is. Because mercy is, uh, is getting what we, not getting what we do deserve. And what do we deserve? We deserve God's wrath. And yet he gives us mercy. You see, until we understand God's wrath, we really don't have a very good concept on who, on, uh, who, of who God is. We don't see his holiness or, or his mercy well. These are key things for us to understand. That's why uh, Isaiah draws attention to it. He highlights it. He puts it in bold and in italic and puts an asterisk by it because we have to understand these things. God's wrath cannot be deleted. 
God, God's wrath cannot be delayed. I should, uh, 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 God's wrath can be delayed, but it cannot be deleted. God's wrath can be delayed, but it cannot be deleted. And so that brings us to the second thing that God can do with his wrath. Not only can he have patience, but he can also punish. And we see this also in Isaiah 48. Picking up in the middle of verse 14, it says, The Lord's chosen ally will bring his purpose against Babylon. His arm, his arm, army, his arm will be against the Babylonians. I, even I, have spoken. Yes, I have called him. I will bring him, and he will succeed in his mission. So what's being described here is the wrath of God, the punishment of God being extended to the Babylonian army as they're defeated in battle on the battlefield. That's a circumstantial punishment. But we also have a different kind of punishment that's described in verse 22. It says, There is no peace, says the Lord, for the wicked. And that's an emotional punishment that God takes away the peace of the wicked. These same two types of punishments are, are, are true for our lives as well, how God's wrath applies to us in the here and the now, when we experience God's circumstantial punishment. And I'm hesitant to even get, get into a lot of different examples here because I think we can all understand that. When we don't obey God, things don't go well for us in our lives. There are consequences to the sin. And I can think of all kinds of things, but, I, but I, I think you understand that when we disobey God, the bad things that come into our lives are, are, are part of God's punishment. But we also understand that oftentimes God's punishment is emotional. That when we live in disobedience from God, we lose our peace and our joy in life. That the gladness that God wants us to experience in his creation is, uh, is fleeting. Dawson and I follow the Golden State Warriors, and uh, because they're an easy team to follow, they win the championship uh, a lot. They win a lot, and, uh, and they got a lot of star players. And so uh, Dawson's been rooting for the Golden State Warriors since he was a little kid because they were winning all the time. And I told him, you got to be careful. These teams you root for as a kid that cycles, you're going to be rooting for losers the rest of your life. Uh, that's my experience. I'm here. I'm rooting for teams that never win anything, uh, but that's the way it goes. But right now, it's a fun team to watch. They got a lot of stars, and uh, the Golden State Warriors won the championship last year. And one of their stars that we've been following since he first came into the league was is Draymond Green. Draymond Green, when he first got drafted out of Michigan State, was was a, a was an outspoken believer. He would speak. He'd tell. He'd talk about God all the time. And now he's been in the league, I don't know how many years, but he's been in the league probably close to a decade now, and it seems that he's completely lost his faith. In fact, I don't hear him talk about God. In fact, many of the things he says I know are quite offensive to the Lord. And so we're following the Golden State Warriors and Draymond Green, and there was a leaked video from their, tra uh, from their training camp before the season started of Dr Draymond Green uh, calling off and punching one of his teammates, Jordan Poole, right across the face. Clocked him right in the jaw and knocked him out. And here I'm watching this video and I'm thinking, how could this happen? You guys just won the championship last year. Uh, Jordan Poole is one of your rising stars. You should, this training camp should be full of so much joy. And all I can help uh, but do is put two and two together and I can say 
uh, there is no peace for the wicked. And I'm not one to judge. I'm not here to say Draymond Green is a wicked person, though you know, his actions don't seem to be very righteous. I think we can all understand that when we do not follow the Lord, there is no peace, there is no joy, there is no gladness in the Lord. That is God's punishment. There are consequences to sin, circumstantially and emotionally. But the good news is that we can repent, that we can turn away from that, and we can turn to God, and that he forgives our sins and he brings his blessing. But I recognize that that's, this is a hard subject to understand. It's a complex thing. I was talking to a young girl who lives just a few blocks over this way. Uh, she goes to West Covina High School and is uh, talking to her a, a few months ago. And, uh, and, and, I, and as we were talking, we got on to the topic of spiritual things. And she says, I do not believe in a God who would send anyone to hell. I don't believe God would ever do that. And as we continued to talk, I could just sense there's a real sensitivity in this young lady. Real sensitivity, a, 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 a compassion. She would not want to see anyone sent to hell. And as we talked, she talked about uh, those that were bullied at her school. She goes to West Covina High School. And, uh, and, and I asked her, what would you want to happen to those bullies? Would you want them to be punished? And she said, yes, I'd want them to be punished. What they're doing is so wrong. They should uh, be punished for, for, for how they're treating just innocent kids. And when I talk to this uh, young lady, I resonate with a lot of what she says. I don't want anyone to go to hell, and neither does God. He, uh, we said in First Peter 3 that God doesn't want anyone to perish. And I also resonate with what she says in that injustices should be punished. There's a sense in her that is there from being created in the image of God. There's a sense of justice and righteousness that is good and that is uh, good and right. I agree with so much of what she says. And these are the complexities of God's wrath. We long for his patience, that he would send no one to hell we, we, because we sense that that is part of who he is. But we also want his punishment because that is part of who he is as well, his justice, his holiness. And right now, many are having a hard time getting their minds around this, just like this young lady was. It's hard for us to understand the wrath of God. But one day when we are in heaven, we will look upon both his patience and his punishment and we will say, yes, God, you are good in all your ways. We'll say, yes, God, you are good in all your ways. We will look upon his patience and we'll say, thank you, God, that you gave me an opportunity to repent and I received new life. We'll look upon his punishment and we'll say, praise you, Jesus, that, ju that injustices are dealt with and are punished and wrongs are set to right. This is the complexities of God's wrath, and God is good in all that he does. In fact, all of this comes, to a, uh, comes into clearest focus when we look at the cross. Because it is upon the cross that we see the patience of God. That we see his mercy and his grace and his love. But we, it is upon the cross of God that we also see the punishment of God that he takes the sin of the world and he transfers that 
to his son. So that all who look upon the Jesus of the cross, who died for their sins, their, their Savior and Lord, and they repent, that is the good news that God's punishment, God's wrath, is not applied to them, but it is applied to, to Jesus. But for us to receive that mercy, it means that we must receive Jesus, that we place our faith and our trust in him. That's the gospel in a nutshell. That God is good in all his ways. Christian author Margaret Feinberg says, always remain suspicious that God is up to something good. God is good in his patience. God is good in his punishment. He's always up to something good. And that's what Isaiah gets to here in verses 17 and 18. And these are the last two verses from Isaiah 48 that we look at. Isaiah 48, 17, and 18 say, This is what the Lord says. Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is best for you, what is good, not just what is good, what is best for you, who directs you in the way you should go. If only you had paid attention to my commands, your peace would have been like a river, your well-being like the waves of the sea. God is good in all his ways. He teaches us what is best. He directs us in the ways that we should go. His wrath is like a volcano, but his peace is like a river. And the peace of God just keeps coming and coming and coming to all those who align their lives with Jesus Christ. I recently watched a documentary about three kayakers who went down, uh, who were trying to kayak a river in the Amazon that had never been uh, kayaked or even explored, as far as we know, in the history of humankind. It was a treacherous river. In fact, uh, they planned on doing it in, th- in three weeks, and they didn't accomplish it. I'll be honest, that by the end of the documentary, it's a little bit disappointing because they had to get helicoptered out. They couldn't do it. It was, it was just this mighty river. And a few days in, they got a rain. And the rain water that came down off the slopes of the mountains filled the river so that it was, that it was rushing so much more than it was before. It was, it was, it, the river was too treacherous. They had to camp out for several days for the waters to die down. When we repent, it's like the rain, the rain waters come into our lives. And the peace of God just flows with all, so much more torrent. It's almost a, a peace that we can't get our minds around when we really understand the wrath of God. How could God give so much peace to me, a sinner? And yet this is what God does when we surrender our lives to him. It's a peace that transcends all understanding. Like Philippians 4, 7 uh, says, For the peace of God, which transcends all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. And that's the good news. That God sends his Holy Spirit into our lives. A spirit of peace to guard our hearts and our minds in Christ Jesus. If you are here this morning and you have placed your faith and trust in Jesus Christ, I just want to emphasize upon you, uh, I just want to emphasize to you that there are still consequences to sin. And God's punishment to you is like a a parent disciplining his child or her child. 
Not because he, hates, he or she hates the child, but because he or she loves the child. And, God's, and there are consequences to sin because he longs to discipline us and refine us like fire. But if we are here this morning and we've never made that decision, the wrath of God is real. And there is a final judgment day. And, my inv- and God's invitation to you this morning is to repent, to turn your life around, and to give your life and your heart to Jesus Christ and ask him to, to come into your life. And the peace of God comes in like a river and washes away our sins and makes us right with our Heavenly Father. That's what salvation is all about. We're blessed this morning to have a couple testimonies, a couple salvation testimonies, because we have two people that are, that are joining the church this morning. So I want to invite uh, Art and Malou Bastes to come to the stage, and they'll be sharing their, their testimonies with us. Let's welcome Art and Mary Lou. Art and Malou have gone through our membership class and looked at the membership covenant and all of these things. And, uh, and, and I'll admit, Art and, and Malou really wrestled with what church membership means. They took it seriously. They prayed about it. And for that reason, that the Lord led them to become members of the church, I'm excited because I, I have confidence that God's going to uh, use them in many ways. So let's, uh, let's, let's uh, hear their testimonies. God bless you guys. Uh-huh. 